All right, welcome in into the Triangle Podcast, of course, presented by Couch Guy Sports, episode 60. Six, zero. We are officially two years away, two episodes away from retirement. That's it. We're we'll done. Um, 60. Actually, you can retire at 60 in some jobs now. So it's getting there. We can retire now. We can retire early. We've done well. Um, of course, episode 60, iTunes, Spotify, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes will be a huge help. Anywhere else you find your podcast, couchguysports.com. Find our recaps of every episode, all the other written content, all the other podcasts, great stuff. Twitch, YouTube, I say it every week. Just go, just go follow Couch Guy Sports everywhere. Al's in charge now. It, it, only good thing coming from that. So, of course, yeah, all the yeah. other podcasts and all the other stuff going on at Couch Guy Sports. Into the Triangle. This is going to be our really season finale. We'll record sporadically through the offseason as things happen. Uh, do some off-season shows, start a frame, see all that stuff. But this is our last regular, ske- regularly scheduled program for the off-season. Red Sox lost the ALCS in six games. Um, they look like they kind of lost some energy, Al, moving forward uh, after what, game three? After they hit like a crap ton of grand slams. They just kind of didn't figure it out. So we'll talk about that. Uh, we'll talk about what we kind of expect, where their holes are. Um, of course, I'm not going to let this podcast go out without talking about the Astros potentially cheating because uh, there actually looks like there might be some evidence that they were. Uh, but now they're in the World Series, lost game one. And then uh, we'll talk about, you know, maybe a certain player on the Astros that Chris Henrique might want on the uh, lovely Boston Red Sox who's going to be a free agent. We all know who he's talking about. It might be time for him to come play on the Red Sox. We'll talk about that. But uh, but yeah, for first, guys, um, Al, I know you feel right now, you don't, you don't feel like you have energy. You're, you're low energy. I have zero energy right now. I need something that'll help me focus and get me back on track. I get you that. Have something for me? Well, I do. We and I think we understand the feeling. I'm exhausted too. I have a kid, so I get it. Um, and of course, the whole network, but this podcast specifically into the triangle is brought to you by our good friends at Shocked Energy cuz Al they have what you're looking for. Shocked Energy Al is a drink made by gamers for gamers. It's for podcast hosts too if you need it. All their flavors come packed with 180 milligrams of caffeine to ensure that no matter what you're doing whether that's watching the Red Sox lose, talking to us on a podcast, Al, your focus will be razor sharp to keep you performing at the top of your game. Their formula is designed for specifically give you high energy boost when you need it most while ensuring that you are not going to have the jitters after like a typical caffeine consumption. What you're going to do, Al, and now this is your important instructions here, head okay. over to shockedenergy.com. They have a new website as well, I noticed on social media today. They revamped their website, shockedenergy.com. Use the promo code CGSN. You're going to get 10% off your order. They got green apple, watermelon. Oh, and don't worry. I, I know this doesn't apply to you, Al, but anyone listening worldwide, globally, doesn't matter. They ship worldwide too. So shockenergy.com, their new beautiful website. CGSN is the code for 10% off. All the caffeine perks without the crash of caffeine. It's a beautiful thing. Love it. Beautiful thing. I wish I, I have tried. I was going to say, I have tried the watermelon one. The watermelon one is absolutely delicious. I, w- I wish the uh, Red Sox had some shocked energy after game three of the ALCS. Um, so l- let's start there, um, and then we can kind of go forward. Red Sox lose in six games. We know this by now. Astros moved on. They're playing in the World Series. Um, I want to know, Al, Al this is, we're going to start very general, uh, Al and Chris. We're going to start. I want to know your guys' overall takes, opinions on this series. Biggest thing, are you guys happy? I'm not happy. Obviously, we want them to win. But like, are you okay with them losing in six games to a team that on paper is better than them? Do you wish they, they didn't cough up a 2-1 lead? Do you think they shouldn't have? Like, I guess, where, where's your thought process toward this team after them being knocked out in six games and sent to the golf course? I said it once, and I'll say it again. The Astros were the better team. Plain and simple. 
They, are the, they were the much better baseball team in the series. I know the Red Sox had a 2-1 series lead. They were hitting home runs left and right, grand slams left and right. But you know what? It came down to a point where the Astros showed why they've made it to the ALCS the past five years in a row. They've been there. They've done that. They got great pitching performances from uh, Framber Valdez and Luis Garcia when Cheater. they needed him the most. Probably cheating, but... You know, and I think we all can agree the two big points that, that kind of changed the momentum of the series was the Altuve home runoff Whitlock, mm-hmm. the eighth inning of game four, the ALCS, and then the Eovaldi blown strike call against Castro in the ninth inning of that same game. Mm-hmm. Those two instances, if you get Jose Altuve to make any type of out there and you potentially escape that eighth inning and you win game four, you're up three to one. You're probably winning this, winning that series and in the World Series right now against the Braves. Yep. But you know what? Houston showed. They've been there. They've done that. Their bullpen's a lot better, and they proved it with that game four effort. So you know what? Kudos to Houston. Houston. Kudos to Houston. They played well. They deserve to be in the World Series. Red Sox overachieved. I can live with that. Yeah, I mean, I'm disappointed, but um, you know, they they exceeded our expectations. I mean, we never. I think the, a logical fan would never expect that Boston be in the position that they were. But, um, no, I think, to Al's point, Houston was the better team. Um, the bats went silent. The bats went silent over the course of those games. And I agree, that home run by Altuve. Um, I also think, though, that the second that Erod went and tapped his wrist, it just felt like everything – you just you motivated the Astros – when they didn't need it. And I also felt that that Eovaldi um, ninth inning spot that he had by failing, I think it, it really ignited the Astros and gave them the confidence that, uh, mm-hmm. that kind of propelled them further throughout the series. Yeah. But it was a bummer too, because that like moment I was like, all right, Erod's feeling it. I wasn't necessarily against it. I got, I got Cora's point And then, but then like, I was like, great. The Red Sox have swagger. They're not as good of a team, but they're up two one now. And it feels like they're going in the right direction to, potentially steal this away from the Astros and have what I was hoping for the whole time was a Red Sox Braves World Series. Once once the ALCS and the NLCS started, I was like, great. Red Sox Braves keep the Dodgers and Astros out of it for once um, and have the history of Boston go to town for a World Series championship. That's what I was hoping for. I got half of my wish. Half of my didn't, wish. But didn't you guys think too that guys like Kike Hernandez who had such a great ALDS in the first two or three games of the ALCS didn't you kind of see the writing on the wall that he was going to come back down to earth? Kyle Schwarber was going to come back down to earth. Didn't they yeah, they all did it that way? They all did it once. Like it's I know. One thing if, it's one thing if Kike did it and then like Schwarber. I mean, guys, Schwarber only hit like a buck, what, 50, a buck 60 in the entire American League Championship Series. Like it was just that Grand Slam and that was it. Like, and that, that was a big Grand Slam. Don't get me wrong, but he sucked in the ALCS. So he wasn't hitting that well the whole time, but you had another option. Um, Kike Hernandez is the one It's like what the heck Hunter Renfro gagged me he should have been out of the lineup but they weren't going to do that um, that's that's one of the bigger ones to me than even Schwarber like what happened to Hunter Renfro like this guy was hitting like the lights out and he was sitting pretty well earlier on in the postseason he he just I think he's more disappointing to me than Kike because Kike was hitting so well no one else picked up Kike when he was when he had a couple down nights and he also, with Hunter Renfro, just going back to it, he went back to how his reputation was coming into yep. the signing this year. A guy that strikes out a lot, it's going to hit maybe 220, but he's going to hit you a bunch of home runs. That's what he did during the regular season. He had about 35 home runs, over 100 RBIs. Yep. And then when they needed him the most, he wasn't there. He vanished. He kept striking out and chasing bad pitches. Yep. That's Hunter Renfro's MO. He had one hit in the ALCS. He was one for 16. And it was that RBI double in, yep. in game one. 
And didn't Schwarber hit like two or three times? Had like two or three hits. Like it wasn't much more. Yeah, it, it, it was worse than I thought. Um, those two guys, right, were like key parts of the offense. Like Schwarber let off a lot. He got a lot of things starting. And Renfro was that guy that we looked at their lineup and went, well, Renfro, Renfro's hitting their one through eight pretty solid, one through seven, whatever. That, that those bookends don't happen, and then you have Xander who wasn't great. Devers we know was hurt. Like they just kind of all crashed at the same time. Which at that point you don't have the pitching just to, to beat the Astros one nothing, two one. Like you don't. You have to win. You have to score like five runs every game if you're going to win. Um, and that and even the worst part about it too was like you go into that Chris Sale game and go great. You get you get a good outing on a Chris Sale. You win this game. Got a good outing. They hit nothing. They hit nothing. Nothing. Just I don't three know what runs the, in the last two games. It like, was disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. Three games. Sorry. Um, yeah, the optimism part, part of optimistic part of me looks at what they did though and goes, okay, they're ahead of what I thought they would be for sure. Um, and you have hope. Okay, Chris Sale looks like he's making progress every time he pitches. Next year he might come back to himself, right? And then you have a whole year of Chris Sale scaling back up to what he needs to be. Come, what I assume will be a postseason run again next year, right? You have to think. Um, they can make their changes this offseason. They figure it out. Um, one question I have coming out of this, though, is, like, will J.D. Martinez be back? Do you want him to come back? Would you rather Kyle Schwarber as a full, for a full season than J.D. Martinez? Because I don't see a place where they keep, keep them both. Do you guys? Like, you, you look at those two players, it's kind of end up being one or the other. No. And I, I think it's going to end up being J.D., but honestly, I think part of me would rather have Kyle Schwarber just because he's about – five, six years younger. Yep. And he's a guy that if you want to right now, if you don't think Tristan Cassis is ready to get, come up to the major league level, like next year, the year after he's a guy that you can potentially work on at first base for, you know, the next couple of years and still be a great presence in that lineup. Now, do I think JD is going to opt out? No, I don't. I no. think he's going to opt back in because that's the last year he's going to be making over 20 million. Cause he's going to be in his age 35 season, I think yep. or something like that. So he's not going to get that kind of contract anywhere else. Nobody's going to give him a three, four year deal at his age to just be a DH. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't see uh, JD opting out at all, especially with the upcoming uh, potential with the labor dispute. Um, yep. So I don't see that money being there for him. Um, <clears throat> and there's a lack of jobs really, you know, if, if the national league adopted the, the universal DH and then that was, that was in play, then yeah, I think he opts out because then there's more opportunity for him and more jobs for him, but that's mm-hmm. not there. I'd rather have Schwarber for the long term because he's younger. Um, but then on the flip side, you know, at some point, does Rafi Devers eventually slide into that DH role because he's miserable in the field? He had some good plays over the course of the year, but I think his bad plays have outweighed yep. the positive on the field. So I guess it's a good problem to have when you have all those bats, but. I think we got to see towards the end of the season from a defensive alignment that that team was better when Dahlback was at first versus the Schwarber piece. But then yep. during the postseason, you need to have Schwarber's bat out there, which ended up being as quiet as Dahlback's bat was when they went and got Schwarber. So at the end of the day, I think Martinez, he's going to stay. I, I, I don't see there being that money for him elsewhere in the market. I don't know if there's another team that's going to give him 23, 22 million to just, well, he's going to play the field 20 times and the rest is going to be DHing. So, um, but for the Red Sox, it's better suited if he leaves, so you can allocate that money elsewhere. Now one year left next year is the last year. If he opts in, it's the last year of his contract and then he becomes a free agent. I, I think if you're the Red Sox, you, 
honestly, I think he opts in. And then you're planning for life after J.D. Martinez starting in 2023. Um, I, I don't think the Red Sox sign him again. Like, I don't think they extend him another contract because one high bloom will do that. We know that. Um, but also you have to look at, you need to sign Devers. You need to, pro- you need to give Xander another extension. He's going to be here and he wants to be here long-term. So you got to take care of those guys. And then you also have players who can fill those holes, right? Like if you think about um, Xander even made comments saying he want, he's willing to move long-term to play third base, second base, whatever it needs to be. Maybe 23, 24 is the year you start thinking about, okay, if you want to move Devers to DH when JD's gone in two years, then Cassius is playing first. You move Xander over, bring in a shortstop, or you guys have young players in the system that can be that. Uh, that high school kid won't be ready yet by any means, but he's coming, right? Um, Marcelo Meyer. Marcelo Meyer, who's supposed to be the stud player that you just got gifted because no one else took him, right? So that's, that's a long-term solution at shortstop. Um, we can kind of, I want to talk about this now. It actually fits well. Chris brought up on Twitter earlier about Carlos Correa and signing him this offseason. I almost said no initially, but now I'm talking myself into it. Because nope, no, thank you. Be, hold on now, shut up. Because you have that hole now. If, if Xander moves right to play shorts to play third baseman, third base, like who are you going to play at short? Who's going to be your shortstop long term? At least to get until the younger kids sign Correa to a four or five year deal. That'll be enough time to get any younger shortstop ready. You have a legit bat in your lineup, a guy who knows how to win, who has attitude, who wants to play in a city that knows how to win. Um, now, do I think it happens? Probably not, because I think the Yankees are going to swoop in and take them. Um, but it makes a lot of logical sense uh, if you're really thinking about post next year. Um, next, now, next year, where he fits in, maybe maybe Xander plays second base for a year, maybe Correa plays second base for a year. But if you have an infield with Devers, Bogarts, Correa, and whoever at first base, whether that's Dahlbeck, Schwarber, Cassius, whatever, that instantly makes your team even more of a contender than it already was. All right. So, Jared, 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 Jared. Yes, Al. I I understand your thinking. I'm not saying it's terrible thinking, but I'm also saying it's terrible thinking. You're you're saying it's terrible thinking. I was just about to say, I think it is terrible thinking, and here's why. Carlos Correa, yeah, he has a relationship with Alex Cora and all that. That's great, but here's the thing. You have young shortstops in place. You just said it yourself. You have guys that are in the minor leagues like Marcel Meyer like Nick York, that in a few years, they're going to be studs and they're going to be ready. You think Meyer's going to be ready in three years, two years? I'm not going to say two years. I think three, four years, I think he could be ready. I really do. And you know what? With that too, and we're, I know we're going to get into this, why not for next year, why not sign a guy like Marcus Simeon, get him out of Toronto, have him play second base, and then at least for 2022, you have – Devers, Bogarts, Semyon, and then take your pick at first base, whether it's Schwarber, whether it's Dahlbeck, whether it's Cassis if he's ready. You know, don't take away from the future shortstops coming in because that's the plan. The plan's either Meyer or York. That's the long-term plan. I don't want Correa. So the Correa piece, right, I try to look at it from a different lens in this, right, because he's public enemy number one. He's like, you know, I remember like when A-Rod, he was like the bad boy of baseball. No one could stand him. That's kind of, I think, what Correa is at this moment. He doesn't get the talent that A-Rod has, but I think he's got that, that guy that you love to hate. That would fit in beautifully here because you think about, for example, Brad Marchand, right? If he didn't play for the Bruins, he was on the Canadians. We would hate him. Mm-hmm. We would hate the face licking. Kevin and- Garnett when he was a Celtic. 
swag that he does with exactly. So like we as we as Boston fans would hate that. Yep. The second that he hits one clutch home run into the monster seats, no matter at what point in the game, you know, we're gonna love Carlos Correa. My concern though is just step back again. You just mentioned that there's gonna probably be a four year gap between now and when Meyer's ready. Do we think that Marcus Simeon's going to have the same year that he had? I, he's not hitting 45 home runs again next season. No. You know, he drove in 102 RBI. His, that's like, this was his career year. He hit 265. Probably benefited from being in that lineup with all that protection around as well. He had a great year. Mm-hmm. Played 162 games. But I'm not opposed to him. But at the end of the day, what really makes this hard is that this is a this is a free agent's uh, year that's coming up where there is elite shortstop talent. We have an elite shortstop, but he can opt out next year. And that puts the Red Sox in such a tough spot because you have an opportunity right now to protect yourself just in case. The Red Sox need to do whatever they can do to, to try to sign. Why, why can't they sign Bogarts now? Why can't that be in the conversation? Why can't that extension happen right now? Put Devers in the back burner. That doesn't have to happen right now. Versus... If they don't get a shortstop this offseason, I don't see – do you see Bogarts playing out all of next year? There's no way that Bloom lets Xander Bogarts opt out and you get nothing other than a draft pick and hope you sign him back. I see the chance – like, if, if Bloom doesn't sign him this offseason, which I, I think there's a likelihood they do. I think both sides have clearly said they want it to work out. They want them both here. The Red Sox have come out and said they're both cornerstone pieces. If Bloom doesn't get something done and he's on his last leg – on his last year, Xander, that that's a trade that time makes. You trade Xander, you get value for him, you build your farm system. He he pulls a Tampa Bay, ditches the stud, and figures it out. Um, and that's what I'm afraid of. So like I'm all for Heim. I'm not going to bash Heim on anything that he hasn't done yet. But like I'm th- that's my fear of moving forward until they get some of these guys locked up. My fear is that they don't make the big splash and and sign some of these guys, especially these in-house guys who want to be here. Um, Rafael Devers has time. Um, he's got a contract year for next year. He goes to arbitration three the year after, right? 2023. Uh, and then 2024 is that like unrestricted free agent year. He can do what he wants if he's not signed. I would wait a year on Devers. I would. I would say, hey, look, we want Xander here. Um, we got to get him done. We want you here too. We don't want you gone. We'll take care of you after after 2022 we'll take care of you in the, in the fall as soon as we're done playing like um i, I just think that there, there's ways to do it um to keep both of them happy but i think long term you need to keep xander happy first um just because of the, what he means in that hole you have in between now and the long-term plan if you don't bring in a carlos correa or someone that can fill that need um and this is partially why i want to bring in correa god forbid something happens with xander you have an option God forbid something happens uh, with Devers, Xander slides over, and you still have an option, right? So, you're, like I like her said, you're protecting yourself, um, but also in the meantime, you bring in a stud of a player that knows how to win, knows how to get in the faces of players, and I, I'm all for it because I think I, I don't mind attitude. Like I, it's like Marcus Smart, it's Brad Marchand, it's it, they're great comps. No one likes him unless he's on your team. Fair enough. So, Al, I think you're wrong. Yeah, well, you always think I'm wrong. So, that's, so that's what probably, makes this that's, any that's probably true. Uh, I want to know if you think I'm wrong on this. The Astros cheated in the ALCS. 100%. I don't think they cheated. I don't think they cheated. Okay. So here, here's here's the whole thing that went on in the ALCS. Uh, and we don't talk about this forever because we're not we're, – they're done. 
they're in the World Series. They're winning now in game two, actually. Uh, they're winning 5-1, I guess, sorry. Um, yeah, it's gross. Cheaters. They're probably cheating. Um, the first was the Whistlegate thing, which was kind of far-fetched. Um, for those of you who didn't see it, there was, there was video out there of potentially the thought of whistles coming from the dugout for the Astros, a long, like, steady whistle for a fastball and a broken-up whistle for any sort of breaking ball, change-up, whatever, off-speed stuff. Um, it was pretty consistent. It looked like it happened on a regular basis. It didn't sound like a whistle was coming randomly from the fan every time a pitch was about to be thrown. So there was, there, there was evidence there, but like, you're not going to call someone on a whistling, right? So that's a little bit different. But then you look at the, the series with the Astros, ALCS. Um, games one and two, you, you, you throw out um, Luis Garcia. Uh, who started game one? It was Valdez, right? Um, yeah. And those guys get rocked. Those are the two games you hit the crap out of the ball, double grand slams. Garcia didn't even get out of like the second inning. Um, and then all of a sudden you come back to Fenway and they can't be touched. Um, and if you watch closely, Alan, first game, you could tell they didn't do much fidgeting. They pitched the ball, whatever. And then the second starts, they're constantly in their hair. They're constantly on their face where they just happen to not check for stuff. Right. Um, of course, they were going to grease the ball. And then, of course, the stuff couldn't be touched. The Red Sox can't hit. Now, part of that might have been the Red Sox right cooling off because we start even outside of their two starts. But I, I am fully convinced in the fact that they played the first two games straight up, saw what happened, and then they went to something that they weren't going to get checked. And um, this isn't a, an original thought to me. I, I was listening to, to Felger and Maz a little bit earlier. Maz said this, but like, I wouldn't be shocked if the MLB didn't care. If there was a little like, we'll we'll put the umpires out, we'll check belt and we'll check hats, but like hair and that kind of stuff, like just let it be. And we want it to be in the game. We're okay with it. Like that wouldn't shock me. But at the end of the day, you can't be more obvious with it than the Astros have been because you literally in the first two games in their starts, they suck. They couldn't. And there's no way you just turn around and all of a sudden figure out your stuff in a couple days when you were that bad in your first starts of the series. Jared, let me ask you this to counter your point. Okay. Houston, Houston Astros. Yep. They cheated back in 2017 when they won the World Series, right? They did. They eventually got caught, right? They did. Why would they be stupid enough to try something like this again? Because they're cheaters. They don't care. So they're not going to care. Now, the first time you remember, who took the hardest fall out of anybody? A.J. Hinch and Alex Cora. Because they both got suspended for a year, and then they got to come back. Yeah, players get protected. Players get protected in these scenarios, so they don't care. But you think if the players did it again, the Alex Bregmans and the Jose Altuves, you think that they would really get protected again? I don't think so. I think but they would come down them, hard on those but guys. But it's, it's the pitchers. So they're going to get people Okay, protected. the pitchers too. The pitchers too. So maybe they're going to come out with more severe punishments for this to not continue to happen. Because if the Astros were to do this again, then they are just a classless organization and very, very dumb. But I, th- but I like, think they are. Like, I, I don't know how you can look at that and look at how it's lined up and think they're not cheating. I believe the whistle stuff too, but like that's something you can get by and convince me that they might not be. But like I believe that is, is also happening. But the, the fact that Valdez and Garcia rocked in the first two games and then looked like they were Max Scherzer in their second starts, just you don't flip that switch when you're not that good of a pitcher. So you think they also cheated in 18, 19, and 20 as well? Probably in some capacity. Though some of those whistle videos that you saw and like some of those outcomes that kind of pulled it all together, like those weren't from this year. Like those are, those are years in the past. There was one from last year. Uh, there were ones from earlier this year too. Like I, I look at the Astros organization and don't count anything out at this point. Because nah, until Correa is there, until Altuve is still there, if those guys are still there, I don't, I don't count any of it. Bregman, Bregman, Bregman's a little a-hole. Like I, I don't think Bregman's a good dude. There are, two, there are two people in all of sports that I cannot stand. One is Alex Bregman. The other is Nick Nurse of the Toronto Raptors. I was going to say Alex Correa, because it sounds like. So 
Maybe I three? mean, Correa, listen, Correa could win me over. Correa is a guy that I can change an opinion on quick. Yeah. Alex Bregman and Nick oh, Nurse. No, thank you. Nick Nurse, dude, can just needs to stop standing on basketball courts while he's coaching. Um, Agreed. Agreed. Chris, I'm, I'm intrigued on your take here because I, I know Al just wants to prove me wrong. I think that's kind of where he's – he believes me. He just doesn't want to live on the Oh, show, I don't believe you for a second. He, he believes me. I got to tell you, so I um, I don't think that there was uh, – it's hard because, like, Valdez had that, that shit on his head, right? So he had that stuff on there. Greasy, the pon- – oh, You know, and the then – Sticky ball. Uh, and then that game with when Garcia was pitching, you know, kept going to the mouth and the beard and all that other stuff. The reason why I'm going to say they weren't cheating is that I don't – I'm tired of, like, in sports now, if your team doesn't win, it's because someone cheated. No, the Red Sox didn't win because their bats stopped hitting. Oh, I'm not yeah. saying they lost because they cheated. I'm just no, no, no. I'm not, no, I mean it in the respect of in the, in the grand scope of Red Sox fans – the second that anything went backwards against the Astros, they it was it. Well, they, they were cheating. They were cheating. Yep. No, they weren't cheating. You know, guess what? I'm sure one of the Red Sox guys had shit on the side of their pants. They were using. It's part of the game. Alex Cora and I do. I truly believe the Felger and Mass piece with the whole <clears throat> at that press conference with the clearing of the throat that that Alex Cora didn't want to go and say because he can't really say. Just the Red Sox weren't good enough to beat the Astros. And if the Astros ended up doing something, it's really unfortunate because it really would spoil those really two good pitching performances from Valdez and Garcia, who looked completely unhittable. Who knows? You know, maybe they just had two really bad starts to start the series off of. I I don't, I just, I don't, I can't fathom that actually happening a second time. The whistling piece, like that's crazy, but there's like 34,000 screaming fans in, in the ballpark. Are they, pretty is consistent, that, though. It's pretty consistent. Yes, a little bit. But like... <laughs> no, I think you believe that one more than you do the, I, the sticky I, stuff. I feel like, I feel like all right, the whistling is it could be a little bit of validity to that. But then when they played in Houston, you hear all those fans whistling nonstop. Like, they were just... It was almost like they're trolling us and they're trolling Sox, the, the Sox and everything else. But I don't want to go and say that they were cheating because... I, I just I want that out of the I want that out of like fandom. Like when your team doesn't win, I can't have every fan constantly going and saying it's because the other team cheated. Because then we sound like a bunch of I don't know if I can say the I don't know, we're kind of loose in the podcast. I don't want to call people. Say, you you can say yeah, it, yeah, you can but say like, that's fine. I don't want that to be the thing. Like I don't want Red Sox fans to be looked upon like that. You know what I mean? Like. Mm-hmm. And I don't typically go at people on, on Twitter and I don't go and I involve myself in that banter, but I did because I was just tired of hearing it. Let's just take it for what it is. The Sox weren't good this time around and it's unfortunate, but if MLB turns around and says, yeah, there was an actual, you know, there was some collusion and there was um, some oh, so business and so then, then, then that's a different, that's a whole different conversation. But then, you know, it's going to be asterisks and. I don't finding. think the league wants the scandal again. No, they like, don't. If they were actually doing something, I don't think they're going to look into it. They don't. And nope. it's, it's part of the game. Like, people have been stealing signs. If you're going to steal signs or you're going to do things to try to get an advantage, do it in the most fair, but yet the most, I guess, it's the most fair way you can while cheating. I, guess I mean, Chris, I don't, I don't know if you played baseball growing up at all. Um, but Al and I, I are – say that again? Not well. <laughs> yeah, well, so Al and, I, Al and I both played pretty competitively for a long time. 
if you're not looking, if you're not standing at second base or trying to figure out what the coaches are doing over there on third base, like you're not doing something right. Like your your coach, our coach, I, Al, and I won't speak for you. My coach is always encouraged, like see what they're doing, figure it out if you can. Let us know. Oh, absolutely. Like, no, mine were the same way. And you probably do that now, right? For some of your older kids that you do coach, like figure it out. Um, right. And even now, like some of you guys know, I do coach volleyball. I look across the net and go, what are they, what are they doing? Like, because the like, girls volleyball and like in volleyball in general, there are signs you can give to blockers and hitters and stuff like that. It's part of it. I'm okay yeah. for stealing signs. Yeah. I just didn't know the, the way the Astros did was a step above everybody else. Yes. Like that, that was kind of aggressive. And then the whole trash can thing is just comical at this point. But uh, stealing signs, try to get a small advantage. It's part of the game. I don't care. But you know there's something going on with, with sticky substances when you watch the Astros pitchers closely and they don't go to the rosin bag at all. Like th- that's a little bit of a tell for me. Because like the rosin bag's there. A lot of pitchers use it. Um, back in the day, it used to be rosin, maybe a little spit on a cold night in the playoffs and call it a day. And like Pedro, that was it rosin little little spitball in the cold weather because you're allowed to do that and that was it um everyone in the league does this kind of stuff but like it was aggressively you could see it and that's why i'm like hey can we at least look but i think i don't think the league will because then they don't want the scandal and two i just don't think they want the scandal no they can't really afford another black eye like that no you know they just you have to you know they handled the way they handled their last scandal and whether we I, I didn't think – I thought, well, I thought the players, there should have been something that happened to the players, but I also understand from the other side of the coin that mm-hmm. in order to get the information that you needed to understand what was happening, you really couldn't do that. And I would – I just have to, like, I, I can't really wrap my head around if these players would entertain wanting to do that again, knowing that they got the free pass this last time around, mm-hmm. that if they are actually doing something again – in a different extent to, you know, to cheat, then these players are screwed. Like it's, it's going to be massive suspensions, massive fines. Like does the owner of the Astros have to sell the team? Like, yep. you, can't, you know, you can't go through another one of these little scandal pieces here. So I think right now baseball needs to figure out their CBA. And I think that that's where unfortunately their next black eye is at. They can't have that and another cheating scandal because it'll just, it'll bury the sport when it's, you know, it seems like it's starting to come back a little bit. I'm in fear of a lockout. We'll have to talk about this now, but like with the CBA negotiations and where the league is, like I'm, I'm, I'm fearful of losing a season um, when that comes up, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, last question I have for you guys. Then we can kind of wrap it there, but I'm curious, like Red Sox as a whole, right? Overachieved. We know they're not the perfect team. Um, where do you guys see, like, like if you had to pick one thing, obviously it's a couple, but like, top priority this offseason and again we'll come back throughout the offseason to talk about things as news breaks and stuff like that but top need for me because you look at like the bullpen um Adovino's a free agent um he mentioned he, he fell in love with boston again because for those of you who don't know he pitched in northeastern um and and he'd be happy to come back and he, i wouldn't mind that like there's different things to do but like i know mine but like i don't know what you guys think like top priority this offseason to improve what you did now where do they, where do they need to go first what does high need to do I want to hear Chris's first. So I mentioned in our text leading up to it, mm-hmm. I think there's one player that I, that, I, that I think they need to sign and it would be a one-year deal that would help this team immensely. And you'll have to find that on Friday because um, I'm going to tease that in an article. Oh. But, um, I think that that one player would help them. But from you take that little piece away, I think the fact that Matt Barnes fell off the face of the earth and you don't have a closer right now. 
And I don't know how you can go into next year and say he's your closer. So for me, I think that they need to go out and figure out that ninth inning option because it'll help set up the remainder of that bullpen and where they're going to go with things. I would love Ottavino to come back. He's, he was a great piece, but he's not a closer. Um, I need them to go out and get a closer. And I also need them to see what market that could potentially be out there for Matt Barnes, even though it's probably going to be zero. But I would look to see what else is out there for him. Um, but I, it's the closer for me. Right now it's the closer because you're going to move Whitlock more than likely into the rotation. Tanner Houck is more than likely going to end up in the rotation. You're probably going to lose Erod, so you're going to need to replace him with an arm, which could be where I'm going with for that Friday article. I mean, so, but if you look at even outside of that Friday article guy, like if you do lose Erod, how can um, Whitlock are the top two candidates without internally, right, to just be four or five if you do lose Erod? Mm-hmm. Which I'm all but, for, by the way. Closer. I, I, it's closer for me. I, I think they need to get that piece. If they, had a, if they had a true closer going into this postseason, Whitlock and Hauk are used much differently throughout the course of mm-hmm. the ALDS and the ALCS. Um, I don't think you need to use Nathan Avaldi in the ninth inning in the game that you had to use him in. But you have a legit uh, closer there. Because you have a closer. Yep. That's what this team needs. They need, a num- they need a legit ninth inning guy. And whether or not they go and get that, Matt Barnes is not that guy. I don't care how he pitches in the season. He's not a true closer. I, there's nothing that's going to convince me elsewise. For me, and it was touched on a little bit, I want another starting pitcher. I don't want Eduardo Rodriguez back next year. Thanks for everything in Boston. You know, I know you had a rough 2020 with everything, but you know, I, I'm good with letting Erod go. Someone overpays Erod, right? Let's just get on that agreement. Oh, absolutely. So someone overpays Erod. Thousand percent. I would be. I would not be surprised if it's the Angels. They finally pull their head out of their ass and actually go and add pitching, and it's that's where I think would be a, a perfect landing spot for him. Mm-hmm. So with that, I wrote a blog on Monday about this three players, and Chris knows exactly who I'm going to say here. CouchGuysports.com. Go check it out. Shameless plug. Thanks, Jared. Uh, Marcus Stroman. That's a name that I've been throwing around for a few years now. It's a name that you know what. He's competitive. He's pitched in the American League East before. Had a decent record with a struggling Mets team in 2021. If you added Stroman and you had Chris Sale, Nathan Eovaldi, Marcus Stroman, and Nick Pavetta, if Nick Pavetta can give you half of what he gave you this year and you still have those three guys, and then you insert either Tanner Houck or Garrett Whitlock, that's a solid starting rotation right there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm going to – it's kind of a two-part answer just because I like to rub it in Jared's face every time that he says that, you know, I never said this. I told him beginning of last year, you need to solidify a bullpen, and he mocked me and ridiculed me. Now you need to add some bullpen arms. So, ha-ha, 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 ha I was right. You were wrong. I'm just saying. Suck it. 2018, they won without a bullpen. Um, One year. Congratulations. You were the best team in baseball by far that year. You also Uh, had Craig Kimbrell as your closer. This is true. So, hey, if you get a closer, who needs the rest of the bullpen? Just get a closer. Um, you're, you're nuts. No, it's all right. I, I, I do know the real value of a bullpen. I'm not an idiot. Um, I just like to press your buttons. Um, and I know how to do that. Um, <laughs> I'm actually with Chris. Like, I, I 100% need a closer. Like, get, I need a guy yeah. in the ninth inning who I know I can hand the ball to if we're up a run even. And I go, okay, great. If Ottavino's in the seventh or in whatever's in the eighth, 
or vice versa, I know that in the ninth inning and a 2-1 game, 99% of the time, that dude's getting out of it. That's what I need. Like, I, I wouldn't even be against bringing back here, Craig Kimbrell here. Like, I, I'm not even against that. He had a good year this year. That's someone that he pitched really well with the Cubs. He got moved to the White Sox. Um, is he a free agent? Was that a was that a a, a, a finale contract? Is he under contract? He's um he's under contract. I, I'm pretty positive. I read something towards the end of when the White Sox were bounced that they're going to explore moving him in the off season. Okay, I'm down for Craig Kimball for a year or two um, to help solidify this, and so you potentially even find an in-house option. You know, I wouldn't even be against long-term Tanner Houck being your closer. Like I think he has the legitimate stuff. I don't want Whitlock. I think Whitlock's a great starter. I think that's what he's supposed to be. And he just mows people down. But Tanner Howe clearly has a, a third time around the um, lineup problem. Um, but that dude has the, the slider and the combination of the slider and can throw. He, I think Tanner Howe could even be your internal. If you want to go internal and he doesn't want to go out and get somebody, let Tanner Howe be your closer. I don't care. But I need someone that I know has the stuff that can come up, strike some dudes out, um, and I don't think, for off my memory, Tanner Houck had a massive first inning, second inning problem when starting. Like, he, he always seemed to get into that trouble later on. Let him close. I don't care. Um, but I'm with you, Chris. I think that's the big need. Um, and then everything else, like you said, falls into place. I'm cool with Adovino on a cheap deal. Um, does, I don't think he earned anything big. But if you can bring him back on a decent contract, if he wants to come back, let him pitch seventh, eighth inning, figure it out. You have other arms in there. Um, I, Robles pitched fine in, in non-leverage situations. I'm cool with him. Like the bullpen wasn't completely garbage at towards the end. Um, but that closer spot flips so much on you. Like look at the first half map Barnes, right? We, Chris, you mentioned it. He was so good and we had no concerns in the ninth inning and look what that team did. They were the, one of the best teams in baseball for the entire first half of the season. And they won so many close games because he was it's, nails. The other thing too, it, like, you talk about with Barnes with, where I don't know. It's to me, it, it makes sense. Like when the sticky stuff went away, so did Matt Parnes' control. So did, so did Carrot Richards for a while too. So, yeah. But and now that, but that's another dude. Like I, I fully expect. I bet. I fully expect Time Loon to pick up his option. I fully expect Garrett Richards to be back. I don't see him. I don't see him leaving this uh, through. Uh, this off season. I, I, I think that Bloom brings him back. I think they just like that dude and it's 10 million. It's cheap money. Or I think it's like 11 now with his option too. Mm-hmm. I, I fully anticipate Garrett Richards coming back. It gives him more depth within the, in the rotation. Yep. If something happens and if you need to put him out into the pen, then you have at least an option there as well. And I, I don't mind that because he did show towards the end, he could pitch out of the bullpen. Um, he showed balls, which was like, which is what was nice. Like the fact that like at the beginning of the season, it was this excuse of excuse of excuse yep. and why I couldn't do it. Or I got to reinvent mm-hmm. myself. Or I got to pitch all over again, and then he just pitched. Yeah, he just shut up and he pitched, and he looked good, and he looked like you know he contributed. And quickly, fans are like, "Wow, this dude actually has, you know, he actually has some grit on the mound." And, and look mm-hmm. at him; he, you know, he's pitching in higher leverage situations, which I didn't want him pitching in high leverage situations. No. And Cora stuck with his guy, um, and that was one of the players that Cora stuck with that he kind of reaped that benefit of. So crap, he said when he first got caught, like, yeah, I just have to reinvent all my pitches. He basically said, I have to learn how to pitch again. I, I'm, yeah. I'm relearning how to throw a baseball. It's like, you're what? <laughs> what, do you mean you're, what do you mean you're relearning? And he literally, I think I'm pretty sure that was close to what he said. Like, I'm, yeah, relearning, was, how, I'm relearning how to throw a baseball. And I'm he, like, dude, what? He paraphrased, but he paraphrased, but you're paraphrasing. But yeah, essentially yeah. that's what he said. No, you're right. Let me ask you guys this really quick. Hypothetical situation. Let's say you re-sign Kyle Schwarber and let's say you really believe in Tristan Cassis. Do you use Bobby Dahlbeck as a trade piece to try to go get bullpen help? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Okay. You have the depth at first base. You don't need Bobby Dalbeck. It's you like don't. Michael, he only had. He's, it's like Michael Chavis. Like I wish they got more for Michael Chavis. You probably could have, right. but it's the same thing. We've known forever now that Tristan Cassis is the guy at first base because he can play a decent first base defensively. But man, does he hit the crap out of the baseball? And that's what you want as a first baseman. Like as people who don't know in depth, like the ideal first baseman is a guy who can play somewhat decent defense, make the easy plays, right? Pick a couple balls, which it's not clearly not hard because Kyle Schwarber can pick a couple balls at first base, and who can hit the crap out of the ball. That's my concern with Bobby Dahlbeck. Can he figure it out at the plate consistently enough? Um, some other team, Pittsburgh, whatever, like who needs a first baseman might be willing to make, give him, give you something for him. Um, he still has a lot of value, but if you really believe Christian, Christian Cassius is ready, call him up, maybe platoon him with Schwarber and keep Schwarber here and then trade Bobby in the offseason for some value. That, that might be what they do. I don't know. But if they sign Schwarber, if they do keep him, something's got to give there as well. What about second base? What do you guys think? Jose Iglesias. Oh, God, no. What? No. Chris, you would me on that one. For a I year? Think it, I think it depends. I think it also hinges on that shortstop piece. If they make a move for that, let's say they make a move for a shortstop and Xander slides over, boom, you're good. But you guys mentioned earlier, there's, you know, you get Nick York that's coming up in a few years. Peter Downs playing well in the fall league right now. Downs Grab out of the ball. Very well. And, and I actually shared on social media too, there was a Bleach Report on hypothetical trades. And Bleach Report said just a swap of top prospects where the Tigers would get um, Jeter Downs and the Sox get Matt Manning. I would do that in a heartbeat. I would do that in an absolute heartbeat. You get a young arm. I don't see Detroit doing that, but I just, I don't really see, I don't see Jeter Downs being a member of this Red Sox team. I, I just think that Nick York in one year just completely catapults himself as, in, as being the guy over him. Um, I can't do another full year of Christian Arroyo. He's a great player, but he's a role player. He's I don't mind a... him on the team. Like if they want to keep Arroyo, no, I fine. I would him to be back. I just I can't have him in that starting role. That's no. not who or what he is. He's a great supporting player. Um, Iglesias, but the same thing too is if you go out and get if you go out and fill second base another way, Iglesias or Arroyo. To me, I'd go Iglesias. I would go for a bench piece. I would go Iglesias. Iglesias is fine as a bench piece, but um, as a starting second baseman for the full year, no, no, thank you. I, I like Jeter Downs, um, but you're right. Like Nick York, York's there, um, and then Myers behind him, so they have a log jam at that position. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if they keep him and try to make it work because I think Jeter Downs is the perfect example of a Heim Bloom guy that we could trade him and go over and get a big player, but we could also prove to you that he can play in the big leagues and be successful on cheap money. Like Jeter Bounds is that player that we're all like, oh crap, Heim's going to be a Tampa guy and just keep him and let him play and prove to you all that he deserves. And that's, that's the kind of guy I'm like, no, 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 hold on. <laughs> like Jeter Downs is a ton of value right now. You can flip Jeter Downs for a lot um, or a decent amount. Um, and that's something to keep an eye on too, because, and this is all that's what's going to be talked about. What happens with Jeter Downs is all tied to the Mookie Betts trade. Because if you trade Jeter Downs, not that he cares about this, Bloom, but if you trade Jeter Downs, that's okay. Now you really got X for rookie bets with Verdugo and Wong and all that stuff. So that's also something to look at too. Yeah, the only thing I would, like, I would, besides say like that Manning piece, I know that's not going to happen, but the only other thing that I would really try to look at is what does life after Christian Vasquez look like? You know, he's got the option, which I think they pick up. He'll be back next year, yeah. 
but I, I, that's another dude that I would look to see what's available. What can I get back for him? The problem is, is the free agent market from a catching standpoint sucks. You know where Christian Vasquez would be a good fit? St. Louis. After Yachty? Yeah. Yachty's leaving. We know he's leaving. Good baseball town. He'll thrive there. He would thrive in St. Louis. They love their baseball. It's, they lost their football team, so they don't, that's all they got uh, besides their hockey team. And I think that if, if he leaves, that, that, that could be a good spot for him. I want him to stay. I love Christian Vasquez, but like, that's an option. I think, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot that we should be prepared for, uh, for as Red Sox fans that this same group is not coming back. Like, it's not going to be this whole same group. Well, that was again. never the plan. And that was even, never the plan. The other thing, too, like, I would entertain, can I cash in on Hunter Renfro? Strike while the iron is hot. Come off that massive year that he had. You know, I'm not, these are not things that I'm saying that they should do. These are just things I'm kind of throwing out there that should be in a conversation because I think it's probably something that's being considered. You know, I mean, High Bloom, if he can go on and find more guys like the Garrett Whitlocks of the world, those are huge W's for this team and allows them to do other things with the money that they're going to end up having Mm -hmm. available to them. Mm -hmm. At some point, until the Red Sox prove that they're not going to spend money, that narrative that narrative has to stop. Let them go and show us they're not going to do that. But this year's free agent class, they're going to they're going to bring something in. I hope that hope. is that is going to help be uh, you know just a, a piece to all these building blocks that they have to continue to move it forward. Because seeing what they did this year, if they don't continue to take that next step. And for me, next step is not necessarily going to the World Series next year, but being in the same position they were next in the ALCS. Anything really less than that for me going for next year is going to be a massive disappointment because they did this this year with the group that they had. Now he has more money to spend. He has better prospects to utilize in trades. Mm-hmm. This, I think, the key. I really feel like this is a key off season for for what we're going to see out of what Heimblum is going to do because now he's had two full off seasons really last year i kind of gave him his true full one because that first one's kind of weird you're, clean, you're like, cleaning up dombrowski's master trading moogie bats like all now, that stuff exactly so now that mess is pretty much almost gone the only thing you have left over is chris sales contract um now it's now it's time to to see what high bloom can do what what does he do in year three to elevate this red sox team this team has a lot of opportunities right to get better um i don't disagree i think you know, ALCS is, is not a lofty goal for next year, seeing they made it there with this team. Um, winning the division should be a goal next year. I think you, sh- you should be able to be good enough to do that. Um, this year is just so good and so bad, hot and cold throughout the year that they fell apart. But I think you should be able to compete with the Rays next year, no problem. Um, as long as Aaron Boone is managing the Yankees, I'm not necessarily scared with them as much as, I should, as, much as you should be with the right manager. But, you know, I think the Rays are your biggest rival right now, right now and um, they have some young talent, so you're going to have to match that. And, I think we're all hoping I'm does because this year was fun. I think baseball, just to say this and then we'll wrap it like playoff baseball this year, it felt different than it has in a while. Like at Fenway park, it was for what you could hear on TV. It was a lot of people that we knew that were there said it was the loudest. It's been in a very long time. The emotions, Chris sale, that emotion he never shows when he struck out those guys and in his outing in the ALCS, the second one and look like th- these guys are, are proving that baseball still is fun. Um, and I think, then the Red Sox need to build on what they did because they have the fan base hook now. Like the casual fan that kind of left, like is back and thriving. And I think, especially with mind the way, no other team in this town is really in play to win a championship. So like they're going to have center stage every year to help the title run of this town continue because the Bruins, we know are getting older. 
Celtics are doing whatever they're doing right now, uh, and the Patriots are just figuring out how to exist with a rookie quarterback. So, like, the Red Sox are the closest to a title, and they're always, they should always be that right now. Th- this, that team should have this town's attention 24-7. Um, actually, the Revs, if you count the Revs, um, they're good. But, like, th- this team is good, and they need to, they need to expand on it. But, uh, all right, we'll leave it there. Into the Triangle Podcast. Al needs to go to bed. Episode 6-0, Couch Guy Sports, Corp, Shock Energy. Of course, our good friends at Chalk Energy, CGSN, CGS Network, right? Good friend uh, adds, uh, uh, good friends at Exogun, CGS 10, 10% off, exogun.com. Which gives you 10% off everywhere. Don't pay full price. Don't be idiots. Shockenergy.com, Exogun. Good stuff. Good friends of the show. Uh, of course, iTunes, Spotify, everywhere you can find us. Right? If you subscribe where you can, it helps a lot. Uh, share everything. Follow us on Twitter. All that good stuff. Um, Chris got a big article coming out Friday, teasing that big player he wants. So. I'm gonna do a lot of t- I'm gonna do a lot of these little Red Sox teaser articles. We've been doing we've been doing an outstanding job teasing mm-hmm. Couch Guy Sports social media. So there you have it. Chris is a tease. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a tease. Chris is a tease. Chris is a tease. All right, Al, Al can go to bed. Uh, we'll be back at some point. We'll, we'll um, things are happening in the off season. Obviously, we, we won't be completely gone all off season, but we will not be doing weekly episodes. There's no need mm, um, no. for stuff. Not maybe going every on. other week. Every other week, maybe a couple times, like once a month on slower months, things like that. Uh, the rest of the World Series, we'll, we'll be back when there's things to talk about. But I can only post so many Red Sox to talk about until something actually happens. So um, it was a great season, far far exceed a lot of our expectations, and, and we thank you guys for listening throughout the season. Um, we got obviously plans. I have thoughts in my head of how we can grow this next season when the season comes back around. So uh, stay in touch for the rest of the time. Enjoy everything on Couch Guy Sports, the Twitch, the YouTube, all that good stuff, and uh, enjoy the rest of the sports here in the city. And uh, go Patriots this Sunday. Patriots. See ya. See ya.